Welcome to Vermont Artists and Authors, where we interview great storytellers and artists from the amazing Green Mountain State. This is episode 22. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the creative team behind the Vermont humor book, I Could Hardly Keep From Laughing, author Bill Mears and illustrator Don Hooper. Don and Bill, how you doing? Oh, we're in better. We'd be in jail. Our logins feeling so good. <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't your first collaboration the two of you worked together on, correct? Well, yes and no. I mean, we actually collaborated on a book when he had, well, it really got its origin because we we met in the legislature in 1985, and uh, and then uh, I was doing books with uh, Frank Bryan, a UVM professor, and um and somewhere along the line we decided that we were going to do a book about legislative and political humor and by that time i knew um uh, the world did not yet know what a great cartoonist uh, don was so we uh, we got him to, to illustrate this book which was called uh, uh, out of order and and so he was a known commodity and then when jeff danzer and i did a book about uh, vermont and trump called the uh, full Vermonti, uh, Don had it. We got hired Don to do a piece in that, and we uh, then I don't know. You tell the rest of the story. Oh, I asked Bill. Hey, what are you going to do next? He's already got seventeen books in the hopper, <laughs> and some of them are pretty darn good on beer and the U.S. Marines and so on. A whole variety. I mean, beekeeping. He's got the history of beekeeping. Came out a year ago. What are you going to do next, Billy? And he says, uh, I'm going to do a book on, and then he scratches his head, Vermont humor, but only if you'll illustrate it. So he bagged me. And, that, and I had been noodling. I've been really kind of, my obsession is climate change and how we're going to get out of the mess that we're creating. Uh, and I can't find much humor in that. So uh, he gave me an assignment that was really fun. And for a couple of years, we kind of gnawed on each other and played off of each other's ideas. He collected the picture, the the stories, and I tried to draw them. Yeah, and and I think you know seriously, we it really helped that we liked each other. And I think you know we did we did feed off each other in a, in this humorous but also serious way. Uh, and I think it combined has real a real history, which is what I'm really trained as as a historian. But it had Don's very quick uh, graphic wit, uh, but at the end, I allowed him to have an entire chapter for himself, uh, which he could preach with his art. So um, it worked out great, and uh, <laughs> we're, we're delighted. I was just thinking about Billy charges you an arm and a leg for just about anything. So, <laughs> but then he'll give you back a hand. That's your change. <laughs> was this concept of this book, was this an idea that you've been stewing on for a while, or is this something that kind of hit you as a uh, revelation that this had the, the history of Vermont humor hasn't been told yet? Well, it's, it's, it's the logical and correct question and i think as i've done books over my life they they do grow on you i mean you don't have an ins i think when i did a book on paris island that was all for fully formed but but this this was growing 
part of it is no one had really shaped. There's a lot of Vermont humor books. I mean, I participated in four of them, right. um, but there never been one that that really tried to look at the evolution of humor in a still a light way. I mean, we're not. It's not an academic work. It's but it is. It does have sections that. And my wife gave us the I, the um, chapter titles for the chapter about the coming of Flatlanders first. And so that chapter was came to play. Uh, and then uh, and then the next, uh, well, really the one about the Flatlanders is came to stay because uh, that was in the 60s. Uh, so we, we, we are trying to have blocks of humor, but not where where it doesn't work. We don't we don't push it. Mm. But but we are trying to get the reader to think how how does does humor within a state and a culture uh, evolve? I guess that's as in, as intellectual as I've ever been in trying to describe this. Because um, we didn't just want to have a joke book. Um, that's tiresome. And and so and so, Don, when you were, I think you you were tasked to do at least a hundred illustrations for the book. Yeah. Talk, talk about the creative aspects of that. Did you have kind of free reign? Did you tell Bill I want to do this many? Or no, did, I, that I produce a couple of pictures and he'd say, oh, this one's better than that or whatever. But we uh, there are a number of themes that recur in there. Uh, so it came to play. Uh, that was because we became known as a ski mecca. And then uh, foliage crept in. And uh, so you've got two seasons there, the winter and then the fall. And I had drawn a picture of a, of a guy, actually it was a representative in the legislature named Oreste Valson Giacomo. And he's standing there looking very Italian and touristy with a camera hanging from his neck. And he's got his arm around a haystack. Uh, and it's so, Hey, as a tourist attraction was the caption on that. So anyway, we developed five pictures that have to do with Vermont's five seasons. The one uh, about one season, of course, is predictable. Some guy pushing this car that is absolutely way over its rocker panels in mud. And so uh, I'd, I'd hack away at it and uh, Bill would say, this one's better than that. And, we threw them in. But I think the genius that uh, Bill uh, did in this was when we abandoned the idea of calling it a history and calling it a collection. Mm -hmm. So then it didn't have to have quite the same tight rigor. But he goes back and he draws on the work of Alan Foley and David Smith, and, and he pulls all of them in. So it's legit in terms of really uh, decent information. And then the end chapters are they go from Danny and Danny Gore and the logger, uh, Rusty DeWeese and Al Bowright, move right right into some present day stand up women on the stage who are fabulous. Probably Dan Bowles of Seven Days, who wrote a wonderful article maybe three years ago about women comedians, stand up comics in Vermont and about the Vermont Comedy Club and and uh, people like Tina Frimmel and um, Natalie uh, Miller. Well, Natalie Miller. Uh, and well, it was so well written and so vivid that uh, I went to Hooper. I said, look, we, we've got to have uh, really an entire chapter devoted to this era of, of how Vermont uh, humor has changed. Um, 
certainly for the for the better, but it is distinctively different from even 30 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago. And so we said we we've got to have one one of a chapter. And so then we so we mixed. I think we mixed. Uh, well, someone else has has read or heard every story we've got in it. We don't. There's nothing original, except for, except for Hooper's cartoons. Uh, the two of you have been involved in Vermont humor and being a part of the works for well on thirty years. Because uh, I believe Out came out what eighty nine. Well, Out came out in 87. 87, okay. The Code Book came out in 83, and the Out of Order came out in 90 or 91. The Goat Book, just to take a parent. <laughs> Mayors and I went to the legislature the same year, 1985, and this book was just making him famous. <laughs> Real Vermonters don't milk goats, and I'm I'm a goat milker. I'm <laughs> honest to God goat milker. I had a, a, a root that had lasted for 10 years down to Whole Foods. I was bearing the brunt. Uh, you know, I show up at the legislature's for innocent, innocent freshman. Everybody says, real for, oh, Hooper, you poor. That's, <laughs> he's just ruined any chance of credibility you've got. And, you know, so that's where we formed that friendship. And we, we treated each other with mutual deference and respect initially, and then we became friends. Yeah, well, it was fun because there was a reporter from the Free Press named Debbie Sline who wrote an article about a month or two into the session, first session, and said, well, here are the four people that are really go-getters among the freshmen in the legislature. And Don was one of them. <laughs> and then they had two or three people who were sort of also Rams, the second team, while I was in that, that group. So he rubbed my face in that uh, dimension <laughs> of of prestige. <laughs> Have you seen, as, as you mentioned, and I'm wondering if there's a parallel, if it's correlation is not causation or causation not co is not correlation. I'm wondering if it's where you've seen the evolution of Vermont humor has also gone with the evolution of the loss of a native Vermont accent. Have you seen that Vermont humor has evolved over time based off of how Vermont is less insular as it was, say, 40 years ago? That's a great observation. I, I, I agree with that. Um, and the loss of the accent is, um, I don't know whether you'd even know a Vermont accent necessarily in Chittenden County, uh, but where I live in uh, Orange County, right in central Vermont, it's uh, so evident. Uh, some people uh, put one on in order to seem more legit. Uh, I think the humor to some degree, I'll give you an example. Um, Grandma, you think it's going to rain? Well, if it don't, it's going to be a long dry spell. Now that's a that that humor is so dry that it honestly took me a couple of decades to get it. <laughs> I couldn't even crack a smile. It was just so deadpan. <laughs> so I don't think you could get away with that anymore. But that's where we that's that's the origin of this dry, understated, wonderful Vermont humor. It's just gentle, it's reassuring, it's comforting. It's so Vermont that uh, down country people actually, uh, I think, don't get it. They they really uh, 
say, oh gosh, these guys are pretty, pretty behind the times, you know. So there's nothing flamboyant about it. And it's one of the gorgeous things, especially in this divisive world we live in right now, is it's not mean. There's nothing mean about it. Even the comeuppance, which is a beauty, you know, that's a, that is a genuine, uh, uh, it's in the Vermont DNA to pull a, a flatlander out of a ditch on a snowy night and he wants to give you 25 bucks and the Vermonter, there's nothing that pleases him more than to say, no, here we don't do that. Thanks. I appreciate the gesture, but we don't. And it's, <laughs> it's a gorgeous scene when that occurs. <laughs> the work is, you mentioned earlier is that you, you kind of, Bill, you were the ultimate editor, I guess, on, on what, Don's illustrations were basically is that how that well worked? well I think it was genuinely um there were well certainly that last chapter was the stuff that Don wanted to do and and essentially he he wrote most much of the text but on the others um he had been for a year and a half I think before we started putting the book together he would send us um maybe a card three or four or five cards a week they come in uh, from uh, 716 Rally Road, uh, Brookfield, <clears throat> in little little envelopes, and um, they uh, and and my wife and I would would sit and they, that would be our dessert to have it after dinner. We'd open up the cards and see see what they were, and then we would judge them. Um, and we'd have a pile that was. Large, I mean, the larger pile was the ones that were really good and keepers. And we would tell Don this or that. And we might even make a suggestion on sort of rearranging one or two. Um, and some of those ended up being in the book. And some of them were just good cards because that's what he does. He writes cards and then he has these wonderful names on the back of the cards. Uh, um, what, what do you, do you oh, call all them? the different card companies? Well, yeah, different card companies, all of the, all at the same address. Mm -hmm. uh, but the idea was, as I'm going through, we're we're both in our late seventy. Well, Billy's eighty years old now, mm -hmm. and um, so we don't have forever to look forward to, and we're trying to live it up <laughs> every single day. So I'm <laughs> there's one of these that uh, asks, what's the difference between being unemployed? Fired, um, being uh, isolated, quarant quarantine, quarantine. Yeah. Between being fired, being in quarantine, uh, being retired. Yeah. Uh, well, from the moment you wake up in the morning, you're on the job. In all of those cases. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm now retired, and so I would think of all the different angles about how being retired is. Right. The other day, some I read in an obituary, a uh, great blues singer said just before he died, he said, you should live every day as if it's your last. I said that to my wife and she said, oh, I guess I don't have to take out the compost. <laughs> There's, there is so much rich, wonderful stuff right around us and we're going through it every day. Right. You think of all the people that you know who've got birthdays. You want to send them a card. So there's. Hmm. 
So, yeah. so about your artwork, Don, how do you, do you, are you a, a, a pen and paper kind of person or are you, do you sketch out your, your work first and you ink it over or is it watercolor? How do you, it's, what's It's your... pretty amateurish and it's, it's just fun to experiment. And I've always been a goofy drawer. And in fact, uh, years ago, I hired a wonderful um, life drawing instructor for the community college, Billy Brower to teach for CCV uh, a number of years in a row. And he said, finally, I'm not teaching for you again until you take my course. And I took his course and it ruined my life. <laughs> so I have enjoyed, I've gotten comfortable with the fact that I can't draw and that it's just fun to hack around and express myself in a first pencil. Then I, uh, I ink it in and add some color. Now they've got these uh, wonderful colored pencils that if you add water to them, that they wash a little bit. Uh, so I'm learning, and I'm learning a tremendous amount as I go along. And it's Billy gave me a, tr a lot more confidence in terms of, well, you know, guy is goofy as all get out, but it's, it kind of works. Mm. <laughs> And so how did you, so that, I guess my next question for both of you is like, how did you decide to, you, you went through a different publishing route than you, you've done previously, correct? Yeah. Well, this is, um, you know, publishing has changed uh, a lot since the first book that I published 55 years ago. And when you had, you either had an agent or you didn't have, but you went really to New York if you wanted to get accepted by the big houses and right. <clears throat> if you were lucky you got an advance and then they gave you a deadline and they did the design and did the marketing well that's changed a lot there was used to be a, a company called vantage vantage books i think and it was it was the one um vanity press the one where you would pay them uh x amount of money for x amount of copies and they would do everything well, now the whole field is just blown up. So there's everything from that model back to New York. So now there is uh, a number of houses where you can pay for part of it. You can pay for all of it. You can pay for a little bit. And uh, Rootstock in Montpelier is um, an openly what they call a hybrid press. And they have two levels of payment, depending upon how much of the infrastructure they construct for them so that we we chose them um because well we'd heard uh, nice things about them and um, we frankly didn't want to sit around hoping against hope that either we would be able to get into a fancy place like new york or go search for a, an agent so we've been very happy with this model where we uh, they did one level one level of editing, two level of editing, and the designer. Yeah, two. Mm -hmm. um, and they hired uh, a guy we think is the best book designer in Vermont, maybe in the Ma world. Mason Singer. Yeah. And, at uh, Laughing Bear Associates in Montpelier. He's really, really excellent. He made the book, which was uh, sort of a more of a scrapbook almost initially. He gave it some uh, genuine creative rigor and... Uh, 
it's a delightful thing. We actually, we ourselves like the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We open it up just randomly. We take it to bed to, you know, read ourselves to sleep on it. <laughs> As you said earlier, this was a, uh, this was a pandemic project then, correct? Yeah. 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 But now it's interesting. The other night we were speaking at a um, at a wonderful retirement community called Wake Robin in Shelburne, Vermont, and uh, they filled the place with a hundred people. It was their first the first time that the residents of the community had been able to go out. They all had to wear masks in the audience, but we were entitled to do it do the performance without them. And we showed them a PowerPoint of you know, 25 slides or 50, I don't know. Uh, and uh, they enjoyed it. it. It was a, it was a very worth, it was a, we got through the pandemic because of this book a lot more easily than I think we would have if, if we hadn't had this distraction mm-hmm. and the fun. I mean, it is, a, it's really fun to collect these stories and then decide which ones are worthy to make it in. And, yeah. I mean, everyone else was crying and we were giggling for the last few years. <laughs> because of COVID, how did you collect the stories? Did you already have them and or did you actually have to go out and do no, interviews were, or how did that we work? Had them, we had them yeah, collect. Okay. I mean, we were collecting them from my our previous books and right. from other people. We, we had to pay for the rights, but we had a good sense of where the best humor in each of these historic periods would be and then we did, we found more than we needed and then it was just a matter of cutting them down and um and then we took shamelessly we took stuff out of the goat book and put it in there so so we used stuff that we'd already done and then we certainly went out and found other people uh stuff that had been published or said uh, we had a wonderful found a wonderful piece by rusty deweese the logger about how to tell a joke that was in one of his two books, Scrawlings. And so we paid for the right to use that. So uh, there was this juicy fight between the guy who made the T-shirt, Eat More Kale, and he got sued by uh, Chick-fil-A because they had a slogan that was Eat More Chicken. And uh, he was trying to get a patent on his, or so- something that would keep uh, keep his trademark intact. and. They sued him and took him to court. And of course, it was uh, David Goliath's story. So we did a picture of a guy with a T-shirt that says, eat more kale. Well, our rival state, New Hampshire, what would that have? Eat more donuts. <laughs> so we we poked, we have a whole chapter poking fun at the differences between live free or die mm-hmm. and the, the, uh, green, the green mountains and the white mountains. Mm-hmm. We've got a shouting match across the Connecticut River, and two guys. One one guy, Wally from Walpole, is shouting over. He says, "Hey, Brayton from Bellows Falls, you ought to come over and visit sometime. You know what we got over here? Oh my God, we got a legislature with four hundred members, and we got all these McMansions, and we got and we got and we got. And finally, uh, the guy from Bellows Falls, Brayton, he yells back, "Hey, Wally." We got something over here you ought to see. Oh, what's that? What do you got over there? We got enough. 
<laughs> well, sometimes you take a, a half, <laughs> you take a joke like that, <laughs> and uh, it just fit in. So. Right. Academically speaking, in a way, it's is it just a the home team feel to it, or is there a, a, an actual difference in humor that Vermont has as to say Northern New York or New Hampshire? Well, I think historically. Vermont's been a dairy state, uh, and its topography has contributed to a dairy economy mm. for 130, 40 years. Uh, New York has had, at least northern New York, has been mountains and tourism uh, and prisons. And New Hampshire, again, is mountains and tourism and logs. Lack of a general sales, uh, you know, any sales or income tax in New Hampshire clouds people's minds, or at least they make a conscious choice. I'm not going to pay for government. And then they've had a, a deaf and deadening effect of the single newspaper, the union leader over many years, 50, 60 years. You know, it's, it's a different place. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know how you'd get a lot of humor out of that. <laughs> Definitely done. <laughs> But so, and also too, because you're looking at it through like the 14 counties, but generically the five regions of Vermont, did you see that there's different types of Vermont humor based off of different parts of Vermont? Uh, you know, 20 years ago, a fifth of the Vermont population lived in Chittenden County. Now it's a quarter. So uh, people are coming in from elsewhere. And I think they really, uh, the notion, the trademark Vermont does mean something because uh, people uh, really identify that with a quality and a back to land. There's a, uh, an ambiance that comes out of that. And I think even people who live in and have kind of citified jobs around Vermont uh, aspire to be considered genuine Vermonters. And we deal with that issue about whether it mattered if you were born in the state or whether you came in, but you adopted the values of Vermont, which are, uh, you know, this really is a kind of celebration of Vermont's goodness in wholesomeness in many ways. Um, maybe not one and not, not a humor in five different regions, but if you look at the at Northern Vermont, particularly Northeastern, Northeast Kingdom, um, Danny Gore or Norm Lewis, his real name, uh, made a, a career as a humorist by creating a fictional community called Avery's Gore up in the kingdom, as he would say, and uh, wonderful characters in it. Um, he talked all about it, you know, and he created a lot of his jokes about it as he made his perennial unsuccessful run for governor, which he did 10, 10, uh, 10 times at least. Um, and uh, so there's there's a humor in the sparseness, the mm -hmm. poverty, if you will, of the, the kingdom. Uh, and then just to the west in Lamoille County is, is, is um, Rusty DeWeese, who, who built upon um, David Budville's uh, logger to create this uh, with accent and all. Um, so I, I would say that and whether and you know whether you call that northern Vermont region or uh, or just say that 
it's it is two people at least who are making a profession or made a profession of humor out of their particular location. That is true, because you can't imagine Rusty Deweese doing this in Brattleboro. So d- talking about the, the the meat of the book, it's like over 200 pages, I believe, right? It's like, I think it's over 200 pages. Every one of them is pregnant with humor and good <laughs> How hard was it or how easy was it to say, all right, this isn't making the cut, this I like, and was there any bantering between the two of you? We started, with, we started with many, many children and figuring out which ones we were going to lop their heads off <laughs> really hard, but we did it was such a smooth process that that I don't recall uh, any any kind of tense discussion. Do we leave this out? Do we put this in? Uh, do we have to fill in this hole? Uh, I think it it came together. I think there were there certainly were more drawings than we could have done. We could have had a book of two hundred and fifty or two hundred and seventy pages, but we did. We felt that. As you turn these pages, you want to have some pages could be double trucks without art, and but but most of them needed something, and this is where Mason was such a genius because we gave him uh, the freedom to choose uh, from a variety of of art that was not was free form art. I mean, it was was not tied to a particular story. And I think with that kind of flexibility, it made made a better book. And I don't think there was any magic about ending up with 200 pages, but um, it seemed like a good number. And and uh, is that a yeah? No, I think that's really good. That's so, really so what? So what's next for what's the, what's next for you two? Uh, one of the people who was in the book. Uh, did something kind of cool, I thought, after he, he came out with a book. Um, his name is Alec Hastings. He he had a book uh, that set on Lake Champlain during Prohibition. It's called Otter St. Ange and the Bootleggers. And it's a great w- young adult adventure novel. It really works. And when he finished with that, his uh, daughters gave him a Christmas present, which was a correspondence course that would, where he would have to, they would dredge out of him, the correspondence course, uh, all the family stories. So the the daughters would learn what the family history was, who the uncles and aunts were, what the grandparents were about and so on. And he did that. And he came up with a very sweet autobiography as a consequence uh, that he just self-published or what have you recently. And so both Bill and I are a little bit inspired by that. You know, it feels um, kind of uh, self-centered. It feels um, presumptuous, I think, uh, to think that an ordinary person like me should write up my life or something. But I've got all these pictures I want to use. (laughs) And most of them are me. There's a hapless character that we call Bubba Lugnut in some <laughs> captions, and sometimes he's called Norbert, and other times he's called Ezra. But they're always the same kind of woebegone, hapless, uh, you know, fumbling character. And that's who that it's really me. So I want to do that story <laughs> and introduce my kids to uh, my aunts and uncles and grandparents. Now that's yeah. the one for me is is that to. One 
the autobiography. You know, on the theme that an unexamined life isn't worth living, that's the sort of backdrop to it. And there's enough humor. I'm trying to think of things that aren't self-aggrandizing as much as lessons I've learned along the way in spite of myself. Mm -hmm. So there'll be as many lists of screw-ups as there are of um, trophies. Right. <laughs> what about you, Bill? It's a secret. Yeah, it's a secret. Oh, so you do have something in the hopper. Then, he huh? does. He's only no. got two more. No, one more. And then you get to 20. I got to 20. 20 yeah. books. Yeah. Can you imagine? Well, you'd, so I got to, so. Bill is actually pretty well educated. <laughs> Which you'll find out when he'll spring a word like. Paraprostokian. Paraprostokian. You know what a paraprostokian is? A para, well, I know, I know what one prostokian is. I don't know what a pair of them is, but yeah. Oh, probably. no, no, no. There's one ah. word, right? <laughs> that is. All right. Give him your example. You know. You don't need a parachute to skydive. You only need a parachute to skydive twice. twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a parachute. Congratulations on producing a, a, a very well-received book. Where, where, where's the easiest place for people to purchase this book? Well, the, the easiest place <clears throat> is, um, the, uh, is your local bookstore. You can get it at Amazon, but we don't get any money out of that. Get it ordered through your local bookstore. Local bookstore, or you can, you know, and order directly from <clears throat> from Rootstock. But the bookstore is the place to go. But or if you happen to know Bill or Don, that's us. Write to us or call us up, and yeah. we'll send you one. Yeah. We'll sign it and inscribe it however you want. Yeah. We'll send it for free. I mean, with we'll pay the postage. Yeah. And we we do a little bit better in that deal. Yeah, okay. we do a lot better. That so, so yeah, if you, soft if cover you get anybody 20. calls you up and get a hold of us, send us a check, and we'll send you the book. But your local bookstore support them. Yeah, right. Good, right. perfect. Well, thank you very much, Don and Bill. I sure appreciate it. And so, listen, uh, Don, when you work on your autobiography, come back on the show. We'll talk about it. Same thing for you, Bill. Bill, come back on with your when you're done with your right. your, your top well. secret uh, top secret project. So. <laughs> No, this has been a blast. Thanks so much for having us. Gosh, you've yeah. asked great questions. And uh, it's remember, it's not the destination, it's the journey. That's right. That's right.